الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنما يخشى الله من عباده العلماء وقال تعالى ألا إن أولياء الله لا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون الذين آمنوا وكانوا يتقون صدق الله العظيم Most respected ulama ikram To make some takalluf and to say some words of tawazu that too would be without any ikhlas so that too is not going to achieve anything but nevertheless this is not my place to be sitting and addressing the ulama ikram I earlier mentioned to Mawlana Abdullah sahab that I heard that he was responsible for this program being made so he should address the program first and because this day was so busy I didn't have enough time to get the gabrat until now now that this moment has come I'm wondering what I got myself landed into but in any case this is not any was any nasihat or anything of the sort to anyone this is merely just on the hukam to relate whatever little will be possible now with regards to the life of Hazrat Mawlana Yunus Patel Sahib Rahmatullah Ali who was my elder brother and whatever little that might come is only purely on the note of that inshallah it becomes a means of some benefit for me benefit for all of us so this is the niyat with which these few words are being said <coughs> As far as Hazrat Muhammad's life was concerned, obviously this is not a biography. This is just some incidents from his life at random. There won't be any real tartib in it also. But just things that as they come to mind, inshallah, all these things will be of some benefit to us. Once somebody mentioned to Hazrat Muhammad while towards the latter part of his life, something they mentioned about his biography. So Mawla in his tawazu, which was really something that Allah Ta'ala had blessed him with tremendously. So his response to that was that my biography will be written at the, on the back of a postage stamp. Meaning that's all you'll get to write. That behind the space behind the postage stamp, that's much you'll be able to write about it. But the reality is very, very different that indeed volumes can be written. Alhamdulillah, some work has started, some people have started doing something, compiling some things. Allah knows when it will reach its completion because it's such a mammoth task. But indeed volumes can be written about his life. But just some slight glimpses which inshallah will be a means of some encouragement for us. And alhamdulillah, this is something that is common among all the akabir, all the great ulama kiram, all the mashayikh, all our akabir in fact, that these things that we will discuss, the incidents would differ, but the principal issues are the same. That these sifat are across the board. There's a beautiful kitab, 
حضرت مفتی سلمان منصور پوری صاحب دام برکاتہ ہوں ریٹن اے بیوٹیفل کتاب ٹائٹلڈ احل اللہ کی مقبولیت کا راز دا سیکرٹ بہائنڈ دی مقبولیت آف دی احل اللہ اینڈ دا خلاصہ آف دا ہول کتاب از دیٹ دیر سرٹن صفات اینڈ کوالٹیز وچ آل آف دیز پیپل دے پوزیس دیز کوالٹیز then it played out in somebody's life in one way somebody's life in another way but the common factor was sifat alhamdulillah in all our present day akabir also these are the sifat that we see in them and likewise as the mawlana sahab rahmatullah alayhi this is the aspect in his life as well that allah taala had blessed him with these sifat and this is what made him flourish what made his work flourish there was tremendous maqbuliyat allah taala had granted him that maqbuliyat was something that was very very evident especially in the latter part of his life what were the asbab of that maqbuliyat is the same sifat which we will inshallah touch on some of those things but the level of maqbuliyat was really something that is not very common where just to understand it that after my pastor away there were several many people not one or two many people who when you would meet them so they would get talking about maulana without fail that would happen initially and many people mentioned this to me that when i heard about the demise of maulana so i felt that grief which i didn't feel on the demise of my father somebody his mother but the beauty part of it was or the ajeeb part of it so but i had no formal talluq with him i barely attended some programs once in a while maybe some juma i was there i had no formal talluq with him i was not even closely associated with him that i myself was surprised that what is this fine he was a very great alim he was somebody who was of a very high caliber but i wasn't uh, attached to him closely i didn't have any close relationship with him why am i feeling like this but this was the effect of that maqbuliyat in the hadith sharif which is in mishkat sharif etc where is mentioned that when allah tbaraka wa taala loves someone allah taala says to jibril salatu wasalam i love so and so you should also love him the jibril salatu wasalam makes the announcement in the heavens that allah taala loves so and so i love him you also should also love him then summa yudau lahu alqabul fil ard and then the qabuliyat and acceptance for him descends upon the earth this qabuliyat that comes from top down that is true qabuliyat that which a person tries to garner for himself from down up by trying to get people to support him in some way and convincing people to become mu'taqid of him etc in sarahatan dalalatan kinayatan whichever way it might be that is something which is there's no reality in it but that which comes from the side of allah taala and which is expressed in this hadith sharif alhamdulillah all our kabir all our present day kabir also we find the same aspect in them and this was something very very prominent in the life of allah rahmatullahi even in his lifetime that was a very common thing people would sometimes many a times a person meet him he had come travel from johannesburg for some other purpose he doesn't know more from anywhere he hadn't come to meet him specifically but he says no i wanted to just come and attend one salah behind him just hear one of his talks at least person is not even somebody very closely well what we might say involved in deen as such but that was the extent of qabuliyat after my pastor away one person one one of the ulama of durban had been in england at that time 
when that news came of Hazrat passing away. So he says there was such an outpouring of that same muhabbat there as well. And many people told him that you don't realize that what this was had done to our lives. Many people said that our lives revolved around his programs. That the di- time that those programs are audio streamed, we would know beforehand. And those particular days that the majalis would take place. says the rest of the day, everything will be juggled around that. That would be the most important part of that day. And any other work, anything that had to be done, if it was something that's going to clash in that time, it would be put aside. Or it would be taken to another time. But that would be given priority. And the whole family would gather around and all would listen attentively. And he says, you don't know what transformation this brought into our lives. Now people sitting in other corners of the world and we're not. And after my passed away, I cannot remember the count now of how many emails were received where people are writing now to say, I heard about the passing away of this personality. I hadn't even heard about him while he was alive. But I only got to know about it now. And I have just heard one or two now of his, one or two talks of his that I downloaded. I'm finding this the biggest regret of my life that I didn't get to know this person while he was alive. And I'm finding such an impact on my life already. And this was actually something that was a reality that perhaps the amount of benefit that people took from him in his lifetime that increased after he passed away. That continued and increased after he passed away via whatever his writings were, his talks that were recorded, etc. So in general, this was Allah Ta'ala had blessed him with this tremendous maqbuliyat. But as mentioned, this maqbuliyat, this is something attached to sifat. And these sifat, what are these sifat? There are numerous of these sifat. But just in my little understanding, certain things which I think were very, very... Uh, aspects which had a very profound influence in the whole issue. That were very fundamentally impacting on that maqbulia that Allah Ta'ala blessed him with. So some of these things, as they come to mind, as I mentioned, there won't be any tartib in the incidents. Something might be... Something that happened in the latter part of his life might come first and something happened earlier might come last as well. Among the things that come to mind, one is that he took du'as. He took a lot of du'as. He took du'as. He took du'as of our parents and tremendous du'as. And I believe that that was one of the first things that had such a deep impact. During the latter part of my Barhum father's life, there were times when I happened to be there at night after my Barhum mother had passed away, Allah Ta'ala filled their covers with nur. So sometimes I would spend the night there. So this was his mamul, tahajjud, etc. And then he would make dua for a long time. And his dua would be in a little bit of a raised voice. So on occasion I had that occasion to have overhear the du'as. And in those du'as he would make excessive du'a for the mall as well. Apart from du'as for everybody else. When my Marum father became quite elderly and was sickly also at that time. This was around 85. Just the time when I went to Azadmul to study. So he retired from work. He was just working in a shop as an assistant. It was a very basic salary. But he couldn't continue working, so he had to stop, retire. But uh, there wasn't any, any form of 
any income as such now. But as soon as he couldn't work anymore, he decided to stop working with great haste. So the monarch prepared a separate section alongside his house where he brought my parents. I had just come away to Azadbal at that time to study, so there was nobody else at home with them. And he actually forced them to come over. They were very independent also in a way. They didn't want to give anybody any taklif, but he insisted and he created this separate section for them and took care of all their needs despite himself just being earning as well a salary not that he had any big income from his side so this also was something that despite whatever his other efforts were his work was his busy schedule was all that in the last 15 years of their life they stayed with him and though on my Barhuma mother's insistence he had the separate kitchen for her but the house was all joined and he would go out of his way to take care of them, make their khidmat. So one was the khidmat that he made of his parents, our parents and the du'as he took from them. And every now and then, my Maruma mother also would hear from her something or the other. If that subject came up, there would be some du'as. This is something unfortunately often we don't understand or don't realize the full benefit of this. Or how great this is. Alhamdulillah, I keep forgetting I'm sitting here thinking I'm talking maybe in a classroom or somewhere else. So please pardon me if I slip up with that because I'm so used to talking to other audiences. This is something not useful. In any case, that is something tremendously important and which mashallah everybody understands that and takes those du'as as well. Then he took the du'as of many pious people. Now this is one incident which itself brings so many other aspects in it. Besides du'as, there's so many other issues involved in it. Among the many pious people's du'as that he took, one was Hazrat Haji Bhai Padiyasa Rahmatullah The incident of his Mawlana with Hazrat Haji Bhai Padiyasa Rahmatullah this has been recorded in Haji Bhai Padiyasa Rahmatullah little brief biography that was printed some time ago. But just for that benefit of it, I will repeat it, that when Haji Bhai Padiyah came back from India after the four months for the first time and introducing the work of Dawat to South Africa. And up to that point, this was something totally unknown in this country. Apart from maybe one or two people, few people who had gone perhaps overseas and might have met Father Mahal Yusuf at that time and whoever. Otherwise it was unknown. So in any case, when he returned, so in the Grey Street Masjid, which is well-known masjid. At that time, it was open to everybody. So, Ma says that he saw a notice on the board that on certain night, it was the same night or the night after, there will be a talk by Maulana Ghulam Muhammad Padia. He wasn't an alim, but now he went for four months and came. This was something unique for everybody. So they thought perhaps he came back as an alim. So this was the title they put it with. In any case, he was, he was somebody that created ulama. He may not have been a formal alim, but he became the means of maybe not hundreds, thousands of ulama. In any case, he saw this, so he said, well, let him participate as well. So, Haji Bhai Padir then gave the talk. Since he had a stammer in his voice, so he wasn't very clear. He used to talk a lot of the good part of the talk was in Gujarati. The audience would understand that. And... He was trying to explain the work which was totally unknown to the people, so nobody really understood what he was trying to say. 
because it was something totally new. They hadn't heard anything about it. They didn't know what he's getting at. So because it was totally unknown to them, they didn't even understand what he's saying to them. In any case, finally the talk was over. So now he started making tashkil. That who's going to assist me in this? Everybody's looking at one another, assist him in this. What does he mean, assist him in this? So Allah says that first it was Hadi father-in-law who was an elderly person. He stood up and said, okay, I'll assist you. In any case, he sat down. Now he's asking again, who will assist me? Allah says that it came in my heart and now this is the other very prominent quality that was in him. As we started off by saying came to his heart, he really had a heart. And he had an ajeeb heart. So he says, came to my heart, that this person, whatever it is, I still, I also don't understand what he's asking for, what help he wants, but somebody is asking for help. So whatever help he wants, I should, give, should offer something. I really don't know what he wants, but how can I just ignore this plea for help? So because somebody was asking for help, he couldn't ignore it. And this was a prominent quality throughout his life from anyone and everyone, anyone who came for any help. That person never went without some help. Whoever it was, however, whatever, some would come and even pester him repeatedly. Some he would even reprimand them, but they would leave with something too. And whether it was somebody who wanted help at the late hour of the night, whether it was at help of some advice, whether it was some other financial issue, but he had an ajeeb heart. He could not refuse anybody something. So this was the same heart that he had which made him now give his name. Now he says at that time he used to be, he used to very fondly mention this, very fondly is a very big word on this note, that he would say that I was a standard nine failure. It was something out of 90 students, 60 were failed, whatever something happened. So he was also out of that 60 that were failed in that standard nine. So he decided this is enough, there was a lot of encouragement to continue and redo that year but he said enough is enough and this happened just at that time so he stood up and he gave his name that I will join so the people asked him what are you going to help 17 year old he was at that time what are you going to assist as a 17 year old young he says I don't even know I'll ask him after this now what he wants from me so in any case the program was over Haji Bhai Padiyah says that now they're going to be going to Amzinto from Durban they're going to go be going to Amzinto so he must join them he said, very well, my grandparents used to live in Amzinto at that time too. So he thought, very well, I'll get a chance to go and visit them. So he jumped in. And when they came to Amzinto, so Hadi Bhai says that, well, tonight we're going to sleep in the mas- I'm going to sleep in the masjid. Now this was an extremely strange thing for him. Because nobody used to ever sleep in the masjid. This was only at the Kaaf, And then at the Kaaf also sometimes one person only. I remember in Durban one person, one masjid, he was showing me the few things. An old picture there was there of the, oh, something of the masjid, the previous masjid that had been then demolished and rebuilt. So he says in that old masjid here was the mic, the azan mic. And now the azan mic he is giving one incident that every Ramadan when the time for etikaf would come, then one person would get ready for the etikaf. Whoever it might be, not even the same person. After a lot of coaxing, one person would get ready. One of the things, among the things that they would give him, the hidayat. The hidayat would be to come and show him where is the mic. Where's the switch for it? That at night, anything happens, you come shout in the mic. <laughs> because it was like taken for granted, something, some jinnat are going to trouble him, or something's going to happen. So this is his 
Now escape route, you just come to switch, this, switch on and you shout in the mic, somebody will come help you. <laughs> so this was the issue that nobody could imagine anybody staying in the masjid. Now Haji Sahib said to him that I'm going to be staying in the masjid, this, all these thoughts he says started crossing my mind. This man is going to stay in the masjid alone, how am I going to leave him alone? I can't leave him alone. Again that heart, that heart filled with compassion that he is 17 years old and this elderly person is going to, whatever his age was at that time, but now I can't leave him alone, whatever it is now, but I'm going to have to give him company. So as a result, he stayed over. And then he mentioned the whole incident about late at night, how Hadisa woke up and he noticed he went, went and made wuzu, etc. and came. And he was now uh, just still in his sleeping bag or whatever, pretending to be sleeping, but he's observing what's going on. And then for one hour, Haisab was engaged in, after some nawafil, in dua for one hour. And in that dua, he wept from beginning till end. And in that dua, Ma says that I heard him make some dua for me also. Now, when which dua, Allah knows best which dua gets answered for who and where it can take a person. So in any case, this was again an incident of dua that he took. And then he continued taking these duas. For a long time, he was among the very first people that joined Harisab on his safar. Then he took du'as of his asatiza ikram. Among the very close asatiza, alhamdulillah, he had been very close to all his ustads, from those who had studied in his time with him. Father Bufti Suleiman Pandor Sahib was one of his colleagues, and many others among those who are still alive, Mufti Suleiman Sahib. So, any case, from what they mentioned once, that he used to be very close to his asatiza, very involved in their khidmat. Among the asatiza was Hazrat Mufti Mahmud Gangohi Rahmatullahi. What we had witnessed ourselves when Hazrat Mufti come to South Africa, especially in the early days, before when Hazrat became very much more known in South Africa, but when he came in the early days when Hazrat Sheikh Rahmatullahi came for the first time and then he used to come regularly, for a good amount of days, it would be only Hazrat Maulana taking him around the whole of KZN. And he would be in his khidmat and throughout, and very close attachment, lot of du'as, lot of opportunities of khidmat that he grabbed with both hands. Then among his asatiza was Hazrat Sheikh Fakhruddin Rahmatullahi. Hazrat used to talk very fondly of him. And he was to be very much in his khidmat. There were many occasions when Hazrat Sheikh Fakhruddin had made suffer in India. He had come to Gujarat. He had been uh, invited for the first, for the iftita of Bukhari Sharif in Tergeshwar, etc. So the used to accompany him on these asfar. And throughout the suffer, he used to be in his khidmat, etc. And there are many incidents he used to mention about him. Just one incident that comes to mind, which is all linked that these are the personalities that he took that face from. Says Hazrat Fakhruddin the, he was 94, 95 years old at that time. And he used to teach Bukhari Sharif, the first jilb. So the madrasa time that he was required to teach was one hour in the day. That was the official time that he was required to teach, the one period. So he used to teach that one period. And then for the bulk of the year, from 8 o'clock at night till midnight, on the dot at 12 o'clock, he used to stop the sabak. Four hours in one stretch, Sitting in one hayat, he used, to, oh, he used to describe the manner he used to sit also with his elbow on the desk and leaning his chin on his 
palm on his fist and he would just sit at that age, 94, 95 years old and four hour dars he would give. And this was his karamat which I heard from Hazrat Muhammad Abdul Hamid Sahib Barakatuhum many times as well that because of his age etc. he could not keep his wuzu. Sometimes in one salah he would repeat his wuzu several times. So the Muftian told him also you are already mazur. You can continue but he used to still insist on repeating his wuzu. But his karamat was that he used to give that dars of four hours with one wuzu. Any case the one incident that was actually meant to be which came to mind was which has used to mention this many times. I cannot recall exactly how many times but I heard it from him directly many times. And he says once Fakhruddin Ali became very he was very ill so he still uh, thought that whole four hours. When that four hours finished and he says without any watch in front of him exactly when it was that 12 o'clock without looking at any watch, any clock he would say, Abtu Moisa, bohat thak gaye, Allah Allah khair salla dua kar lo. That was his takya kalam at the end of the dars. So he says, that day he said, Moisa, aaj to bohat thak gaye, aaj to bohat thakan ho gaye. Any case, Moisa, etc., some other satis they used to carry him, put him on the wheelchair, bring him to the room. So when they brought him to the room, so Moisa says that, I said to him, he was very close to him, some degree of beta kallufi as well. So he said, I said to him, Hazrat, aaj itni thakan bhi thi ya bimar bhi hai so aaj chutti kara lete today we should have just made chutti you are not well as well so this is something that Mawlana used to always bring this up for this point so he says his reply was that arre Mawlana sahab hum to dunya ke kutte hai tanha lekar parhate hai he says this was his response to that that one hour he was teaching full plus this four hours of his own accord and this was his response so these are the type of personalities that he took this benefit from on this note we are talking about du'as he took a lot of du'as of Sheikh Fakhruddin and he had great a'tamad in his asatiza and he took their nasihat to heart this brings us to another lesson as well the one who explained that when finally the time came for him to return to South Africa so he went along meeting his asatiza, taking the du'as again, taking some nasihat from them. So among the people he came to meet was Sheikh Fakhruddin Rahmatullahi. So he came, met him, and then he asked for some nasihat. So he said, the nasihat he gave me was, he said, you put deen in front of you, put the dunya behind you, and inshallah Allah will take care of all your affairs. Now this was the nasihat that he gave him. So the Muhammad took this nasihat to heart to such an extent that when he returned so there was an opening or there was a need in a little town of Moirava which is still can be called a little town that time it was even more little small little town and well there was a need there because that time in the whole of let alone uh, in fact the whole of Natal Perhaps we're about maybe, maybe in Durban itself there might have been four or five ulama. The rest of Natal, there were less than a dozen. The whole of KZN. One dozen is too much. Maybe about five, six ulama in the whole of that province. Besides maybe the few that were in Durban, one, two in Marisburg. So now there was this need there, this whole area was without any alim. So he took up this post. 
I recall the house because I was about four or five years old and my father had gone in Jamaat for a sort of extended time at that time again. So with my mother, we stayed there for a period of time. So I have a vague picture of that in my mind still. Wooden iron house. There was no geezer. It was... And the winters there are very, very cold. Even now, extremely cold. That ice would actually seep in from the cracks and so on. And outside used to be completely white with frost in the mornings. And in that house he lived for several years. Without any of that comforts and luxuries. And he was being given a salary at that time of 90 rands a month. Which was sufficient to take care of the basic needs. But even in that time, according to those standards also, it was a lower than average salary. But fine his basic needs were getting taken care of. He couldn't afford to have a car, for example. So once in a while, maybe two, three times a year, he would travel from Moirava all the way to Stanger to come visit our parents. So he would travel with his family and one child at that time by hitching a lift from one point to the next, then from that point to the next, and finally reach Stanger, and then unless there was somehow some arrangement made to get to Durban with somebody or Tesla, otherwise by hitching a lift he'd come back. Already with a family, with one child, but he took all this in his stride. Now all this is continuing, and at that time, from the Kirk Street Masjid in Johannesburg, there was an offer made to him to come to the Kirk Street Masjid. And among the things that was told to him up front, that the salary will be 800 rands. It was 90 rands, and weighs 800 rands, almost seven, more than seven times more. So like somebody is earning 10,000 today, or somebody tells him, you come here, you 70,000. So you ask him, must come today or yesterday? So, maaf again, I'm often we forget we're talking, this bad habit of talking to the students in this manner. So any case, the issue was that he was given this offer. Some of the town people got to hear about this. So they came in some concern and worry that perhaps now Ma is going to pack up right now and go away. He heard about, he got the offer, received it, but he hadn't responded anything yet. So when some of the town people came, he told them, look, the last thing that is going to make me leave from here is any salary more than what I'm getting here. If there is some other specific need, one of the things he told them, Look, the cold is very severe here. If something makes me look, move, it might be the cold. But I'm not going to move for the sake of any salary. You can be rest assured about that. So if you heard that this is the offer and that is making you concerned, you have no reason to worry about that. This is where I'm staying for now. And he remained there. And he remained there for a good time more thereafter until whatever the taqaza became more important to move to escort. It wasn't any much more in terms of salary. It perhaps might be similar but there were some further needs there until finally he was put under tremendous pressure by the seniors of that time, Abdullah Kumudji Sahib, the Marhum Ansari Sahib at that time, and few others who had been the founder members of the Jamiat of that time, of KZN. They were the founders of Jamiat, Hazrat Mawlana uh, Desai Sahib of Fitamarisburg, and few others, seven of them. So they put a lot of pressure on him to now move to Durban and be based in the office of the Jamiat and he was appointed as a secretary. That is the time when he moved across from Escort and came to Durban on this pressure of the Akabir of the time. 
to come and take on this very important position, which he then continued with for a long time, until others, alhamdulillah, had come in and he groomed them. One of the people that worked for a long time with him, as I said, all these things are without tertib as they come into mind. One person who worked for a long time, Abdurrahman Khan, he had not formally completed his studies at that time, and he was not somebody who could give any bayans, etc. at that time. But and now he was also an employee of the Jamiyat, more in the administration, meaning in the clerical side of things, doing the typing and doing these kind of things. He says, Mawlana trained me. He used to help me to write out a bayan. And because there was hardly any ulama at the time, now there was a need for Juma somewhere. He says, Mawlana used to actually, now he was another employee in the Jamiyat. And this was also a tremendous quality of that he would, that himmat afzai to others, grooming them, making them move forward, creating the means for them to be advanced. He says, he taught me how to go about this, would help me, would give me the mawad, would assist me to prepare it, would sometimes, I, if I remember correctly, he said, even listen to it. Until he managed to start doing his own preparation and mashallah, he used to give very good bayans. Now in this way, there were so many others that he groomed in that manner. I recall I had just finished off schooling at that time and it was another couple of months before starting off in Azadbal. So I spent a few months in Durban. I hadn't even seen the inside of a Dalloom or anything yet. I completed hills but no exposure to anything else. And out of the blue one day while I was in Durban, they told me tomorrow you're going to, or this week, this week you're going to give the Jummah Khutbah. That was like the biggest shock of my life. I'm going to give the Jummah Khutbah. Where am I going to manage this? So no, no, he called for me, gave me the kitab, you go over this, called me again, listened to it. Then two, three times in the course of that week, heard the khutbah, which I'm going to be reciting from looking inside the kitab. And there were some things that he corrected in the recitation. And this kind of himmat of Zayd. There were many young kafaz in the community, mashallah, who were mutashari, etc. He would give them opportunities to perform the salah, to lead the salah in his masjid, as a kind of grooming as a kind of himmat of Zayt, to take them forward. This was a very good, very, very ajeeb quality of his, that always concerned to take others forward, to advance them, to create the means for them to move forward. So in any case, we are talking about this aspect of this advice that Sheikh Fakhruddin gave him, and this istighna that came as a result, that money didn't mean anything to him. Allah opened the doors for him from unseen sources, but it meant nothing to him. There were many people who told me, some while he was alive, many after he passed away. That when they came to him for something, sometimes some ulama, etc., they had a real problem. He put his hand in his pocket, whatever came in his hand at that time. One person told me, he met him in Makkah Sharif. This person was well known, meaning to Hazrat, because he was based at the, he was the muzzin of the masjid in Karachi, Hazrat Shaki Makhtasar, masjid. So for a long time, when Hazrat would go there, he used to meet him, this person would make some khidmat also. Then he moved over to Hijaz. Mawlana had been on Umrah there, and this person happened to meet him. So he didn't see him for a long time, so he asked him, he said, no, I'm based here now. So he started asking him, how's everything going, whatever. Ah, he was just trying to still establish himself. So he mentioned some halat. So he said, Mawlana put his hand in his pocket. Whatever came, he didn't even see. Mawlana didn't see, he just put in his hand and went away. He said, afterwards, and I opened up, this was a thousand riyals. Now that thousand riyals, or five hundred riyals, a thousand riyals it was, which is a big sum of money for somebody who's just one person one day, and this is something that somebody who was directly, personally 
aware of the incident. You see, somebody came and insisted and gave him in Makashari while he was there, gave him 20,000 riyals as hadiyah. It was somebody very close to him, somebody very betakallof, some otherwise he would never take it. One person came, insisted and gave some hadiyah. And he left it and went away. Ma opened it. Actually, he didn't leave it and go. He sent it via somebody else. Ma opened it. What's this? It was a thousand rands. But this person was a working person. He said, how can he give me and how can I take from him this thousand rands? I appreciate his gesture. He took out a hundred rands. He said, give this back to him. Tell him I accepted a hundred rands to make his heart happy. Allah ta'ala gave him barakat. And he returned that nine hundred rands. Any case, this person insisted and gave him the twenty thousand riyals. And the person who was directly aware of this, he says, by the third day, by the third day, there wasn't one riyal left of the twenty thousand, and not one riyal was spent on himself. It was all made taqsim. Everything, somebody this much, some madrasas that are there, some ulama that are based there, whoever else. Within three days, the twenty thousand riyals was all dished out. So this was the kind of istighna he had. I recall this lesson of this istighna. That while I was still in Azadwal, he had gone for Umrah, Allah Ta'ala had blessed him. But that was his love for the Haramein Sharifain, his love for Madinah Munawwara. And this was his tartib, which many then afterwards started following in the same tartib. He would go, he would go straight to Madinah Sharif, spend a few days there, then come to Makkah Mukarramah, and then finally go back to Madinah Sharif and leave from there. And he had a tremendous ishq for the Haramein Sharifain. So in any case, he was gone for Umrah at that time. Allah Ta'ala blessed him with numerous asfar for the Haramein Sharifain. And somebody from Johannesburg was there. The person was coming back. Perhaps it might have been somebody from Azadwal, I can't recall. I was, if I remember correctly, it was in my third year, or second year or third year. So he wrote one letter from there. My ghaflat that I lost that letter. And ever so regretted it after I passed away. I searched for it high and low, but just couldn't find it. So I couldn't remember the contents of it, but one line or one piece of advice that he had given in that letter. Now, he was gone for Umrah, it was a four-page letter. Four-page letter of just nasihat. First some general things, some other aspects, whatever. And then four pages out of that three pages was just nasihat. Now this again, somebody's gone for Umrah, generally, nowadays the way it's gone, Umrah has become another outing, illa mashallah. But from there also, that same concern. Somebody is going back, he took time to sit down and write a four-page letter. And I don't think I was the only person receiving letters. Many were receiving letters from there. Any case, that one piece of advice that was there, now because we are already now going or trying to go in a similar line of talab ilm so he wrote there that the time would come when we would have to associate even with the wealthy. So our association with them must be for their benefit from our deen, not for our benefit from their wealth. That piece of advice stuck in my mind from that time. Allah Ta'ala give me tawfiq to make amal. We are far away from the amal, but that piece of advice is this. Allah's fazal that that one piece of advice got left in the mind, in the memory. But the rest of it, my ghaflat only after now, when moving from Azadwal back to Durban, somehow it got misplaced and ever since couldn't find it. But this was the kind of istighna that Allah Ta'ala blessed him with. And he never took the asr from anybody's wealth. And never made, forget ishraf and wanting that wealth. If it came in his hands too, it was just gone. 
and he just made taqseem of it. So this was among those very salient qualities that he possessed in terms of these aspects. Then there are so many things, as far as his tawazu is concerned, we just touched on this right at the beginning. Allah Ta'ala had blessed him with tremendous tawazu. Tawazu is something that can't be explained in words. The hakikat of tawazu can never be explained in words. And somebody else's tawazu also can't be described in words. It's something that is to be experienced. All our kabir, mashallah, every one of them, without exception, they cannot be anybody that can reach any level of any maqam without these sifat. So mashallah, all the kabir, Allah Ta'ala has blessed them with all these sifat. Likewise, the Mawla also was tremendously blessed with tawazu. But as mentioned, you can't describe this. This is something that is experienced. And whoever came into contact with him, they couldn't leave without becoming impressed with his tawazu. Whether it was some worldly person, whether it was some learned person, whether it was somebody, whoever it might have been. And if they had some little interaction with him, that was something that won them over. To the extent that let alone those who were mu'taqid of him, even those who were, we call them, in some way they were his enemies maybe. Those who were opposed to him. Leave the word enemies, say opposed to him. Those who were in some other maslaka of some sort. But, so, in any case, what I was saying is that they couldn't leave without becoming impressed with this tawazu. One of the things that uh, was a common thing, many ulama, especially now at that time, were still young and would just maybe meet somebody and they didn't know what the relationship was, ask who you are and who's more you know, up to you. So I would mention he's my elder brother. So immediately they would start talking something about him. And one of the things that bare mutawazi hai, ajeeb tawazu hai unki. Now this tawazu, what are they talking about? It was an experience that they had with him. And let alone the ulama, the learned, etc. One youngster, mashallah, was very close to us. I want to ask him how, what, how your taluk started off. So he says, I was in my jeans and t-shirt and one day I came to Mawla in his masjid and I said to him that I want to discuss something, I need some time. So he said, okay, look, I got some visitors now, I'm going to go home now because there's behmana there, but I will come 3 o'clock here to the masjid, I'll meet you here. So if you can make it at that time, otherwise we'll schedule it for another time. So he said, no, I'm free, it was a Sunday afternoon, he said, no, I'll come at 3 o'clock. Any case about around quarter to three or just before three o'clock, Ma sent somebody to the masjid from house to find him and tell him, look, the mehman haven't left yet, I'm delayed. So, if you can pardon me, I'll come just now. Maybe it might be another half an hour or so, but I will come. He said, no, I had no problem with waiting, I waited. After about half an hour, Ma came. So he took me to the office, sat down. He said, I had all kinds of muddled up questions and things which were many things, un- just here and there, all my confusion and whatever else. He says, first he made me so comfortable, sat me down and asked me about myself, who am I, where am I, whatever else made me very comfortable. Then he asked me, okay, what your issues are? And whatever questions I had in a very calm way, and he says, I had a ajeeb, I was, he was in university at the time, I had a different mizaj and different tabiyat. Anything anybody asks me, I want reasons for it. Anything somebody tells me, anything somebody advises me, give me some advice or tells me something, I want to know why. 
He says, that was exactly the thing I was doing in Hadamara as well. He's saying something to me, I'm asking him why. So he's giving me the answer why. He's explaining to me on top of that. He says, by the time that one meeting was over, he says, I was completely melted. And he says, that became the start of this taluk. And I had just come just for the once off, just to get some confusions of my mind and heart. And he says, but this was a start. I think this was one of many, many, many people like this. Who he warned them over with that compassion, with that kindness, with that tawazu, without making anybody feel inferior in any way. And he would go out of his way to make, accommodate everyone, make everyone comfortable. This is something which is often said, don't judge anybody. Indeed, don't judge anybody. We can't judge anyone in terms of what is the end result. We can't say at the end result, this person is going to be in Jannat or Jahannam. We don't know about ourselves. What are we going to know about anybody else? If somebody's wrong action, that will get judged that this wrong is wrong. Not that we're going to condemn the person openly there and there. We will not judge him in terms of the natija. Because we can't judge that. That is in the, Allah, the ilm of Allah Ta'ala. What is going to be the end result of somebody? Something that is wrong is wrong. But there's a way of how to going about rectifying that wrong. How to go about addressing that wrong. How to win the person to give up that wrong. And this was like many, alhamdulillah, all our kabir have this kamal in them of how to win the person and deal with him in such a way that he himself starts getting ihsas of his wrongs and starts giving it up. So this was one of the very other great qualities that he had. Then as far as his personal life is concerned, this is something which obviously others don't normally would get to know about it. But at home he was a totally different person. <coughs> person of that caliber, person who had that respect out there, that kind of following and all these things. But at home, he became very much part of the house. His grandchildren say he would actually sometimes, now that ball is lying there, they were young, six, seven years old, now they want to hit the ball around, so he'll bowl for them. I say that, one of them says that, now he's regretting it, he'll make him run around too, he'll hit it foul, make Ma go fetch it and come. And he would go and fetch it, in the house and that wherever. So he had that kind of time for even his grandchildren. He had that kind of time for his family. There were times when Appa would be ill and they were in Umrah, etc. He would take care of cleaning that apartment. He would vacuum the place. Now this is we're talking about in that latter time where there were thousands of people calling him Hazrat and all the other titles and accolades. But behind those closed doors, behind that four, in that four walls, this was his tartib. This was his way. As far as coming back to this aspect of tawazu, it was this very tawazu that took him to his heights. And that is obviously, Man tawada alillah rafa'ahullah. It was in the time of already his uruj, when he was already very prominent, he was already very makbul, he had a great following of his own. And people were coming from far and wide to take benefit from him. But in that time, when already he had this, all this maqam and position, he found the need within himself to still go and subject himself to somebody. And this can only come and stem out of tawazu. At that pedestal and that level, at that maqam already, and at that time, Hazrat Shah Hakim Akhtar Sahib had already started coming to South Africa. It was his, perhaps his third safar, I think. Either the second or the third safar. Hazrat Mawla went and became bayat to him. 
Among the people we spoke earlier about du'as, these are, as I said, no tertib involved here. Among the people's du'as that he took was the du'as of his Shaykh Hazrat Shaki Mahtasar Tremendous du'as. And tremendous endorsement that he got from his own Shaykh. One is that the murids, mashallah, praise the Shaykh. But the Shaykh praising the murid is something else. Once one person from South Africa had gone to Karachi and he was sitting in Hazrat's company, just the two of them were there. And he mentioned something about Hazrat Maulana to Hazrat Shaki Mahtasar One incident of Hazrat Maulana. So Shaki Mahtasar said to him, Aise log bohat mushkil se milte hai. Then he said to him something further. He says, Main shukar karta hu ki Allah ta'ala nunka haat mere haat me de diya. The Sheikh is making shukar that Allah ta'ala gave him to me. That he'll become a sadqa jariya for me. So, among the du'as he took, he took tremendous du'as of Hazrat Shaki Mahtasar Rahmatullahi. Once while Hazrat was in Umrah, Hazrat Maulana was there as well. Hazrat Shaki Mahtasar Rahmatullahi had left from Madina Munawwara to come to Jiddah. And from Jiddah they were going to leave. The Maulana's flight was a few days later. So he was still there in Madina Munawwara. When they reached Madina Munawwara, one of the Khuddam forgot Hazrat's one briefcase, which had a lot of important documents in there and whatever else. So they became very parashan immediately. They phoned Hazrat Maulana to say that, look, maybe this got left in the lobby of that hotel. Please go and check if it's there. And if it's there, please take it. So he came quickly down. And he inquired from the reception, they had found it, it was there, they realized somebody forgot it. So they had already given him the description of the phone, so he gave the description, so they handed it over to him. So immediately phoned to give the news that, okay, I found this, it's there, I got it with me. So that was content now, that somebody else was supposed to come two days later. So he said, okay, he's going to come certain day, you give it to him, he'll bring it. One of Hazrat Mutalliqin. So Ma'am says that, I said, okay, fine, I'll send it to so-and-so. He says, when I left from, well, after I cut that call, he says, I had just enough money left in my pocket at that time, which would be enough for a bus ticket from Madina Munawara to Jiddah and back. That was all that was left from the expenses of the suffer. He says, I immediately told my family, look, I'm just going to be gone for the night. I'll come back tomorrow. I'm just going to hand this to Hazrat directly. He says, I went to the bus station there. I caught a bus came directly to Jiddah and didn't tell anybody he's coming came directly to the had made inquiry somehow beforehand where Hazrat is stationed came directly to the house and he knocked on the door when the person of the house opened the door and he saw him he knew him very well obviously he got a shock of his life that where did Moa come from so he immediately went to Hazrat and gave him Moa Tashif Lai he said Moa Yunusab he said yes call him quickly aapke se aage he says, no, I brought this and came. So why you brought it now and came? This is something that that person is coming two days' time. He would have brought it and come. He says, I felt that my sheikh's heart would be more at ease if it came in his hand. He says, the du'as that Hazrat gave me at that time, he says, that I regard as one of those very special du'as that has played a very big role in whatever I have achieved. Then, one of the nights in Makkah Mukarramah, uh, in Madinah Munawara, it was late at night, and he says, suddenly out of the blue, this was Hazrat's tartib, out of the blue, suddenly he would just get ready. Sometime past midnight, everybody had just gone to make aram. And Hazrat just woke up and he started walking. So Hazrat happened to be just present. He quickly joined him. One, two others joined him. He says, he came, it was totally quiet. 
off season or whatever it might have been, she's completely quiet. And he says, he came after having offered his salams and so on. Then he came very close to the Jali Mubarak. And he says he peered in for a long time. And then he says, he says that while I was there in the time while he was offering his salam, so I did something which at that time I don't know what made me do it. And I later on asked Hazrat, please maaf for whatever I did, but I don't know what overcame me. So while Hazrat was busy offering his salam, completely motionless there, so I went and I held on to his hand. And he says this was like some electric shock that came into me. But I just remained standing still for that duration that I was there until he finished off. Then he says he stood at a long time, close to the Jali Mubarak, nobody even moved him away from there. And then he stood quietly there. After he left from there, he just said to him, Maulana Yunus Saab, aapke liye khub mang liya. Now, these are the du'as of parents, of asatiza, of mashayikh, which have a very tremendous impact. And this was his takya kalam of often that we surviving on the du'as of people. This was his tawazu, we surviving on the du'as of people. So, any case, all these things put together made him what he was. And it was this tawazu that made him at that time in his life, when he was held in such esteem, to become a humble murid of some great sheikh of the time. And then he conducted himself in that way. Many a times he would go to Karachi, he wouldn't even make it known. Whenever, we went many times from beforehand, try and make the arrangements, who's going to make the arrangements to fetch us at the airport? Many times Mawa went, took a taxi himself, which was, the emphasis there was, don't do this because it's not safe to do it. But he would say, And he would just catch his own taxi. When he enters the Khanka, they come to know he reached. Or he, he even came, they didn't know before that he was coming. And in this way, he would sit very, very, like any other very humble person, humble murid in that whole Khanka. And without anything, any... Mashikhat at that time, he totally made fun of himself in the company of his sheikh, and that became one of the very big advancements in his life. This was also that tawazu that at that point in time he went and humbled himself in this way. He found the need for it, he found that to be necessary. And throughout his, till the end of his life, this was among the very big prominent aspects in his life. As long as his Asatiza, the Muslim Mahmoud Sahib, etc. were alive, he kept a very close taluk with them. Again, another point that's coming to mind in terms of the taluk he had with his Asatiza and their endorsement of him. When it was in 93, just after Ramadan, about a month after Ramadan, few weeks after Ramadan, Sir Muhammad suddenly made a suffer to the open. The Muslim Mahmoud Sahib, Alhamdulillah, was alive at that time and he went specially to meet him. So when he came, he met Hazrat Mufsab. Mufsab said, Maulana Sahib, this is Shawwal ka safar kaisa? Everybody comes often, the Tartibis, they come in Ramadan, some before, you came in Shawwal, this is Shawwal ka safar kaisa? So, Maulana Sahib replied and said, this is just a taqaza ho gaya, ki aana hai. So, Hazrat replied and said, this is my taqaza tha, ki aap hai. And, on that occasion, Hazrat had given him khilafat as well. So, he says, when Hazrat, gave this Khilafat and Ijazat, it was a few months before that, that he had made Rujul to Shah Hakim Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullah and Hazrat had given him Ijazat as well. So he said, I put forward this to, this to Hazrat Mufti Sahib that, I to Hazrat Hakim Akhtar Sahib say, 
رجوع کر سک ان کی طرف رجوع کر چکا ہو اس میں کیا ہوا سو دس واز دیٹ اینڈ دا دعاز آف آل دی زکابر سو ایز مینشن ایٹ دا بگننگ ماشاء اللہ دیس آل اوور کابر دے ہیون جسٹ بک شیخ رحمۃ اللہ علیہ ہی یوز ٹو سی دیٹ دوز ہو لک ایٹ دی لیٹر پارٹ آف دی مشاہد لائفز and if they focus on that and see mashallah what ikram and istiqbal and what else and like one person he came to one uh sheikh dehati one buzurg of the time he came to him and he said mujhe murid kar lo so he said main aise murid nahi karta you must first come you must acha murid nahi banana ho to sheikh bana do so if not this then that what is the difference one of the two so the thing is that Hazrat Maulana, what I was going to say, I, the thought left the mind of the Sheikh Murid, this went away somewhere. In any... Jiji, Hazrat Sheikh Hamdulalai mentioned, in the latter part of the Mashaikh life, somebody sees all that istiqbal and that ikram, and, and if he thinks this is it, this is gumrah ho jayenge. You must look at the early part of their life, the mujahada they made at that time. what kind of sacrifices were made the things that we discussed earlier what kind of qurbani to remain in that little town and the main reason to remain in that little town there is no alim in this whole vast area and if i am going to go away to kirk street based on that offer of 800 rands compared to 90 rands then this whole place will be left without any alim they don't have anybody for their masail they got some something to find out sometimes nikah to perform janazas whatever there's nobody around on that basis he remained now that kind of qurbani and then making fun of themselves so all these things are what brings about that end result and hazrat maulana's sakhawat just on that note uh, one of the incidents that comes to mind one brother mentioned to me one day that hazrat was quite close to them he used to come often to their house etc they used to call him one of the ulama they his elder brother so he says that one day hazrat maulana was coming to their place or had been there and one person from the area as probably they came out or they were outside the yard and one person from the area some person who had some of his own weaknesses whatever habits he used to keep going every now and again to mom's house to ask him for some money so in any case he saw mom and he thought now mom is in my area now this is ghanimat i have to go all the way there normally so he's already here so he came immediately and started asking for something so mom gave him 10 rands now 10 rands we're talking about 30 40 years ago that years ago at least so 10 rands was a significant amount so this person became a bit vulgar so what what you think i'm going to do with this can i do anything with this and he became he started became, becoming abusive so he said mom kept quiet is brother is saying i started reprimanding this person what's your problem how can you talk like this the so mom kept quiet he jumped in his car and he went away so in any case this brother says i reprimanded him and he also went away says later now because it was in our area i saw this by chance he said i was coming back at night after isha from somewhere i suddenly noticed mona is outside this person's door because i was passing there he said i just noticed i just happened to look in the direction mona came to give him something more after that abuse after that vulgarity and after having given him something already in any case but now because this is how he responded mona came all the way back to give him something more and this is something which i noticed so many times that let alone others it was it became a little bit of a joke among my children as well 
that we should go and visit him more often because then we'll be able to build our balances quicker. Because there wasn't a time that they went there and they left empty-handed. And his grandchildren, they say, look, we've got a little bit more left for our Umrah trip, so now you can carry on, keep it rolling. This was his, it was just something that there was, his hands were just free in giving, and there was no name of asking anybody anything, any ishraf from anyone. It was always that humility, humbleness, traveling without any kind of airs. There were one or two khuddam who would insist and travel with him, and that too when he became ill after those few heart attacks he had, others would insist also that no, you should take somebody along. Otherwise he didn't want any of these things. But this was the combination of all these sifat, and again as mentioned, that kitab, Allah walu ki maqbooliyat ka all the Allah walas, it's all the sifat combined in them. That taqwa, that khashiyat, which Allah Ta'ala had blessed Hazmana to a great extent as well. Allah Ta'ala give me first and foremost even one iota of this. Amara bikam banjaye. Allah Ta'ala bless us all. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Yobi kustakhi huwiyo. Tehid dil se maafi mangrao. Again, maaf if anything was said that is against the shan of the Ulamai Kiram. It was never meant for that. It was just slip of the tongue because of the force of habit, bad habit. Allah Ta'ala sab ko jazaya khair de. Sab se duhao ki darkhast de. Subhanallah. سبحان ربي الأعلى الوهاب اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا وشفيعنا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار وادخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار وادخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار وادخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا أو أخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إسرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقتنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم حاسبنا حسابا يسيرا اللهم اجرنا من النار اللهم إنا نسألك العفو والعافية والمعافاة الدائمة في الدين والدنيا والآخرة اللهم إنك عفو رحيم كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا يا كريم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم وأنت خير الراحمين ربنا اصرف عنا عذاب جهنم إن عذابها كان غراما ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان زينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعصيان واجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم اجعلنا من التوابين واجعلنا من المتطهرين واجعلنا من عبادك الصالحين واجعلنا من الذين لا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون اللهم إنا نسلك علما نافعا ورزقا واسعا وسعيا مشكورا وذنبا مغفورا وعملا صالحا مقبولا وتجارة لن تبور يا عالم ما في الصدور أخرجنا من الظلمات إلى النور 
رب اغفر وارحم وانت خير الراحمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا الله الحليم الكريم سبحان الله رب السماوات السبع ورب العرش العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نسألك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم لا تدع لنا ذنبا إلا غفرته ولا هما إلا فرجته ولا دينا إلا قضيته ولا حاجة هي لك إلا قضيتها يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا اغفر لنا والإخواننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين آمنوا ربنا إنك رؤوف رحيم ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك التواب الرحيم اللهم أعنا بالعلم وزينا بالحلم وأكرمنا بالتقوى وجمنا بالعافية وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين آمين برحمتك يا رب الرحيم